Dude, we are going to energize the country. Stop Brexit. No more Mr. Nice Guy. Seamus and Notch is a great idea. Hello and welcome to Debated Podcast, a political podcast where we discuss the latest news, opinions and all sorts of things in British politics. I'm Conrad. I'm joined by my usual co-host, Will. And um, this week's guest is Emily Hewitson. Um, you may have seen her on her question time appearance. I'm sure she's heard a lot about that. But um, um, would you, first, before we get into the podcast, would you mind sort of introducing yourself and, you know, send a bit yeah. more about yourself? Absolutely. So I'm Emily. I'm 19. I'm from Northampton and I've been a Conservative Party member since I was 16 um, and I'm a Brexiteer. Yeah, good. Well, I mean, I, I I matched quite a lot of those as well myself. So yeah, I, uh, good to hear. I'm not alone for once. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so obviously we've had this week has been made probably the biggest political week since we started doing this podcast in that we have a new prime minister. We have Boris yeah. Johnson. Um you, if I remember rightly, supported Boris, as did I. Um, why did you think he was the best man? For the job? Um, so originally I was actually supporting Rab, but as soon as Rab dropped out, I switched straight to Boris. Um, I think it, it's about the vision he had. He really did believe in Brexit from the start. And I thought that was so important for our next prime minister because we kind of tried with uh, Theresa May to have someone that, you know, was was originally a Remainer. And I think that did did stop it to an extent and I think we needed someone that had that really optimistic vision that could bring the party together at such a divisive time. Uh, so what do you think the reaction from the country at large has been to Boris becoming Prime Minister? Do you think it's been positive, negative? Uh, well, I think from the Conservative Party membership, I think it's been quite positive. I mean, obviously, he was the most popular choice. So, mm. you know, and even Hunt supporters have started to come around because they've seen the energy he's brought and that real buzz in the air. I think the country as a whole, obviously, Boris Johnson's a very controversial character. I mean, there's very few people who, even before becoming prime minister, wouldn't have known who Boris Johnson was. Um, mm. So I think a lot of people kind of, you know, see things that he may have said in the past and kind of judge by that. And I think a lot of people are, you know, there's a big trend on Twitter saying hashtag not my PM. Sorry to break it to you, but he is still your PM. But besides the point, I think it, there was a lot of negative, but I think people just need to give him a chance because a lot of people had the same thoughts when he became London mayor and actually his record as London mayor was pretty positive and I think he did a really good job. Obviously he's also been appointing his new cabinet. Um, do, you, do you think overall he's made some good choices there? Obviously your previous person Dominic Raab is now foreign secretary um, <laughs> but overall like what do you think of the new cabinet? I think the cabinet's really good um i think it is a proper conservative cabinet which is always a good start and of course i think the whole cabinet is united by that goal to leave the eu by the 31st of october and i think what he's done quite well is he's got a good mixture between experienced sort of members that have had cabinet roles before and new and exciting talent that's kind of you know mixed together so you've got the experience and you've got the fresh and exciting ideas uh, do you not think that uh, perhaps sacking people uh, like Penny Morden and people like Jeremy Hunt resigning sends a message out that this is less a consensus cabinet across the Conservative Party and more uh, war cabinet ready for a general election? Um, I think a lot of the party was disappointed by the sacking of Penny. Um, I thought she was really good as Defence Secretary and 
I, I mean, recently the images of her as defense secretary came out and they were so powerful and they really, you know, were poignant and uh, they kind of, you know, showed that, you know, a woman can be a defense secretary and I, it was her dream job. So it was, you know, upsetting to see her lose that position. Um, obviously, she did support Jeremy Hunt. So I don't know if that was part of the reason. I expect it probably was. The cabinet on a whole does have some, you know, key remain remainers as well, though. It's got Amber Rudd, which I think, you know, will help in terms of stopping rebellions and, you know, she'll follow the government lines. I think that will be helpful in the end. But I do agree that this cabinet is obviously main goal at the moment is to ensure that Brexit is delivered, because I think if not, it could be the end of the party. And that's very worrying. So I think that is the main aim of this cabinet in particular. You know, I, I mean, I agree in that. I think that the, although, like, it's perhaps not the most unifying cabinet in terms of having no. people from both sides, I think at this point you you need people who are all on board with the same message because it's when you had Theresa May, yeah. she had a cabinet that was all basically just collective responsibilities was completely dead. They were doing whatever they wanted. Whereas now, whereas now, if they're all they've all signed up to support leaving with no deal if necessary, and um, there's only like Amber Rudd, who's a prominent Hunt supporter, so they were, most of them were behind Boris during the leadership campaign, um, or neutral in some cases. But um, no, I think I, 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 I'm, I was pretty happy with the cabinet, especially seeing people like Priti Patel back in a prominent role, yeah. um, Sajid Javid as Chancellor, as and well. I just think the big four, they ha they've gone to kind of the new generation. And I think that's so positive because I felt with Theresa May, she had a lot of the same recycled people. And obviously that can become a bit tedious at times. Whereas with these appointments, they've got fresh and exciting ideas so they can actually bring something new. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, like, the, I mean, the only one who sort of would serve uh, since David Cameron's time in the same position is um, Alan Cairns and everyone else is pretty much sort of either pretty yeah. fresh or only recently come in. Um, so I, th yeah, I think it, I think it's good to finally sort of freshen things up a little bit and get in some new um, new faces into the team. Um, we've also had the Lib Dem leadership election since the last time we recorded the podcast. Um, what do you think of Jo Swinson's winning? Do you think that that she's a threat to the Conservatives in areas? Um, I think obviously the Lib Dems have been a threat to the Conservatives and the Labour Party indeed um, recently and I think obviously Joe, everyone expected Joe to win so it wasn't necessarily a big shock uh, however I think it will be interesting um, going forward to see where Lib Dem sort of lies because Labour have obviously made their position clear finally for once and they've kind of you know pinched Lib Dems Brexit stance in many ways although uh, Labour would be prepared to leave with you know a Labour deal ultimately if there was another referendum they would you know campaign for Remain and that would be the same as Lib Dems so it's it's sort of harder to see now where the Lib Dems will play into that and whether the support that Labour lost to the Lib Dems will then return or whether people are so annoyed at Labour that they'll stick with the Lib Dems it's very it's actually a lot harder to see now uh, Katie Ball's written uh, an interesting new article in The Spectator, arguing that the success of the Liberal Democrats may be the best hope for the Conservatives in a general election. Do you think that for Boris to succeed, there will need to be sort of like a pincer movement against uh, the Labour Party to gain seats from Labour, with the Conservatives on the one hand supporting uh, Brexit and the Liberal Democrats supporting Remain? Uh, the problem is, obviously, that the Conservatives 
the problem with the European elections, for example, was that the Conservative vote was split between Conservative and Brexit and, and in Peterborough indeed. And Labour have also kind of had that problem with Labour and Lib Dems and losing seats to the Brexit party. So for Labour, it's almost like they've got three kind of like portions of the party. Whereas with Conservatives, it's it's sort of split between the Brexit party and the Conservative. But with Boris, definitely, you know, we're, we're leaning more towards that break, that strong Brexit stance. And I think that will bring a lot of the Brexiteers back uh, to the Conservative Party. But as for Labour, obviously they've gone the other way. So I feel that they could lose to the Brexit Party instead of the Lib Dems this time round instead. But yeah, I definitely think that we're kind of in a more beneficial position as a Conservative Party now we've taken that strong Brexit stance as we didn't actually lose that many votes to Lib Dems uh, compared to the likes of Labour. So I actually do think in talking of a general election, uh, this is actually a strong position to be in for the Conservative Party now. So um, you mentioned the Brexit Party, and obviously in your famous Question Time appearance <laughs> was when you first said you were voting for the Brexit Party as a Conservative activist, and you're in the vast majority as Conservative uh, members, as, as polls have shown. Um, um, but do you think that the Brexit Party could still have a future even with Boris Johnson or do you think this is it that all the votes are going to come back I think it's very hard I think a lot depends on when a general election was was held I think if it was held before October the 31st and we hadn't left but we had Boris we'd, the Conservatives would have a shot but we would inevitably leave lead, uh, lose some votes to the Brexit party because obviously we haven't left yet but at least people could recognise that we are finally taking that stronger Brexit stance compared to Theresa May. However, I think if we had left on October 31st and then we had a general election, I can't see why anyone would then vote for the Brexit Party, because the clue's kind of in the name, and I think the Brexit Party would cease to exist. However, the third scenario is, of course, that we have a general election after October 31st and we're still in the EU. In that case, I think the Brexit Party will be a tremendous threat and I could honestly see them winning. Uh, just moving away from Brexit for a moment, uh, the Prime Minister has announced quite a, a list of domestic policy aims yeah. that he has, um, getting more bobbies on the streets, um, uh, tackling the uh, housing crisis, uh, you know, uh, yeah. social care, that sort of thing. How achievable do you think these aims are in a mm. parliament in which the Conservative majority is so small? Uh, yeah, obviously it is a bit tricky and as a Conservative, you know, we're renowned for being good with the economy and that's definitely something I would like to keep as a reputation. I think that's a very strong position to be in and obviously promising loads of stuff, you've got the other side of that, which is obviously how are you going to fund it and I think that is an important aspect but, you know, with Sajid as Chancellor, I'm sure that we're in good hands there. Getting stuff through is going to be very hard. I feel that the Labour Party are more stubborn than ever. Um, with all policies, I feel that they're just at the point now where they're pretty much going to just vote against the government unless it obviously, you know, furthers their cause. So, for example, the police officers, I'm sure they'll vote for because if they don't, they'll kind of get a lot of flack from their membership. Yeah. Um, but I think we do need a general election before the intended one because at the end of the day it's going to be so hard to get the numbers otherwise so i think a general election is inevitable within the next year or so yeah i think i mean part of my reason for supporting boris was that very calculus that there, there probably would be a general election soon and yeah. if there is one 
who can win that general election or do as well as possible, even if we can't win it, which hopefully we can. Um, but um, in terms of if there is a general election, um, like I know it's very very hard to to predict, especially with so many things up in the air. But um, let's say let's say it happens bef- like in sort of September kind of time before we've left the EU, but um, we, we've sort of no extension yet, still uh, still like no deal still possible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do, do, do you think Boris would win? I think Boris is the sort of leader that we need to win. I mean, if you look at uh, obviously him winning the London mayor, uh, that's a big London heartland, and he managed to you know turn a lot of loyal Labour supporters round to vote for him. I think he is a big character. Um, he's very divisive. He's very like Marmite. You either love him or hate him. But the thing that he does have is a lot of optimism, and um, he's a lot more exciting than Theresa May, and he kind of you know doesn't fit all the norms. And I think the general population does like that at the end of the day to win a general election you need to get that centre ground vote because there's always going to be people that vote for Labour and there's always going to be people that vote for Conservative regardless who is leader it's about getting that centre ground vote and if you look at people that have managed to do it like Tony Blair they're very charismatic whereas Theresa May you know she she scraped um, winning the last general election but you know she didn't even get a majority and I think that does come down a lot of it to kind of personality i mean she refused to do any of the tv debates whereas uh i know I, I say that but you know boris johnson did refuse to do some but i think in a general election he would step up to that plate um and i think you know general elections in the uk are becoming more presidentialized and people do expect tv debates and they do expect a performer and i think boris johnson is absolutely a performer but he also has some good sub- substance and ideas to back it up uh mentioning uh presidential politics uh, the president of the united states has recently referred to the prime minister as britain trump do you think that this is going to have a negative effect on boris in the country given how quite disliked in certain quarters president trump is yeah i think the problem with comparing american i mean a lot of people do it i mean like you said even the president's done it himself the problem with comparing american politics to us uh, to the uk politics is that even you know conservatism has a different kind of idea in in the us it's a lot more extreme it is it is further right i mean they're massive there's a big abortion debate always in america whereas you know here we don't really have that we're a lot more liberal in many ways so i think it's hard to compare and um i think it would be good if if boris johnson does kind of step away from being compared to donald trump on the grounds that donald trump is the general consensus is there's a lot of negative connotations to donald trump in the uk Mm. i mean obviously he does have people that likes him but generally due to the media or different influences a lot of social media are very very anti-Donald Trump so I think it is more beneficial if Boris Johnson tries to be his own person and I think it's it's easy to compare them because I mean like they even have similar hair like come on (laughs) it's inevitable of course but I think actually policy wise and ideologically they are different I mean Donald Trump is, uh, sorry, Boris Johnson is very liberal. He's, you know, he's repeatedly said that he's pro-choice. I mean, he was one of the first conservatives to uh, speak out in support of gay marriage. And, you know, that is a stark contrast to Donald Trump. So I do think that he needs to make sure that people do make the distinction between him and Donald Trump to be successful. Yeah, no, I do. I definitely agree that um, he, he shouldn't sort of 
close, sort of associated with too closely with Trump, just in terms of the yeah Trump is quite unpopular in the UK, but um obviously there are similarities. Both are quite charismatic, quite funny um, performers. Yeah, yeah, and both both and both obviously are sort of are hated by sort of elements within their own party, I guess, and they're, 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 they're even though overall the the membership still support them. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. No, but um, um, moving on to um, some some sort of something else. Obviously, Theresa May has now left. Um, mm-hmm. What do you think her legacy will be? Um, I think bless her. She really has tried recently um to be the person that isn't remembered for not delivering breakfast tip. But I think inevitably, inevitably, she is going to be remembered as the woman who failed to deliver Brexit because. She always said she was going to be that prime minister that did deliver Brexit. That was her big message. Um, that was what she was always aiming for. But unfortunately, she failed. And as Brexit is the big issue of the day, inevitably, that's going to be related to her in the same way that David Cameron did many good things along his time. But the thing that he's always remembered for is the referendum. It's just inevitable that it's unfortunate that her whole time is stained by that. And um, I think people won't look too fondly on her because, you know, she wasn't the most, uh, what's the word? She was quite robotic, I felt. She wasn't very personable. um, And only at the end, you actually saw her as a real person. It was almost like when she resigned, the pressure was off and you actually saw another side to her that was a lot more charismatic, a lot more warming. I mean, the way that she, you know, got emotional as she did that resignation uh, speech. I think that resonated with a lot of people and showed that she did care and that's something that she failed to do before so. So um, unfortunately I think just the way that she handled Brexit is going to be her legacy. Uh, speaking of the former Prime Minister's legacy, how much do you think the tragedy of Grenfell and what happened uh, with Windrush will serve as a black stain in the public's mind on the Conservatives? Um, yeah, absolutely. I think the Conservatives, obviously, they they do have a lot of black stains in general public opinion. Mm. I mean, it, austerity is another example. Um, and I think the way, the problem with Grenfell is that it didn't come across that she cared. I don't think she did deal with Grenfell in the best way. Um, and I think that will, you know, be remembered by a lot of people because, you know, so many people were so deeply affected. Even me, I mean, I don't live in London, but obviously it was such a horrible thing to happen. And I think the way that she came across was that, you know, she wasn't deeply affected. Um, and a lot of people said that the way that she got emotional at the end when she was, was resigning was very different to how she responded to Grenfell. But of mm. course, you do have to be rational about these things. And I think she is a very rational woman. And I think she wants to come across as this, you know, kind of superior be- being um, when actually a lot more people find it endearing when someone actually does come across as a person. And mm. I think that's the way that he- that politics is heading. People want to be represented by actual real people and not these people who try and be perfect beings. And I think that's why, you know, uh, Boris Johnson's done really well because, you know, he does have his flaws and he'll limit to that and he'll kind of, you know, embrace those and show that he does have a human side. And I think that's something that Theresa may fail to do, um, <clears throat> of course. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a hard one. And I do think that she will be remembered for those things in a negative sense as well. Um, but I think that is her own wrongdoing in many ways. I think the way that she handled sensitive issues like that was was disappointing and could could have been a lot more 
uh, what's the word, it just showed that she cared a lot more. And mm. I feel like something that she failed to do and she just didn't come across as very human. I mean, everyone called her the Maybot. I think in many situations she did behave like a robot. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, I can, I can sort of see that in sort of some way because, I mean, the general election was sort of the moment when she sort of, her popularity started falling. You know, before that, it was like 45, 50% of the polls. But as soon as she was sort of in the public eye, in in a sort of more campaigning sense rather than just sort of a managerial PM, exactly. that's when that's when people sort of started having second thoughts. Exactly. Um, but returning a bit to Boris Johnson, what do you think is um, li- the likelihood is that he'll be able to get a new deal from the EU, or do you think it will be no deal? Uh, well, I think it was interesting. I watched um, the documentary recently. I can't remember what channel, channel it was on, but it basically, um, I think it was Barnier who said that Theresa May never actually said that she would be prepared to leave without no deal to them. Mm. And that was particularly shocking. Um, I mean, <clears throat> Dominic, there's a video where the negotiating team said that they were fearful of Dominic Raab and Boris Johnson. I think that is a good position to be in. You need to uh, recognise that your opposition is prepared to walk away. and Because if not, why would the EU budge if they thought, oh, they're not going to leave with no deal, so we might as well give them the worst deal possible because they're going to accept it. Um, so I think from a negotiating point of view, we're in a good position with uh, with Boris Johnson because he's made it very clear that he will walk away with no deal, and I do believe that. So I do think that we can make some concessions here and there because I think that we've now got a leader that they're actually a bit scared of and think, that they might walk away and that's very good and strong position to be in in terms of negotiating. Uh, do you think, as um, some Brexiteers said in a recent poll, that Brexit should happen even if it does have a negative impact on the UK economy? Uh, I do think Brexit should happen um, even if it had an economic uh, kind of downpour on the economy because at the end of the day we did have that democratic vote. These arguments were all presented to us at the time of a referendum and to kind of say oh wow the economy is going to go downhill, sorry we can't accept what 17.4 million people voted for. I think that's a shame and just shows that you know we don't respect democracy and I think Regardless, if the economy does go downhill, at the end of the day, number one, we don't know if it definitely will. These are all predictions. Um, And number two, you still can't ignore democracy. I think democracy wins over all of those other arguments. Um, As a young person in the Conservative Party, um, do you feel like you've been welcomed? And what do you think the party can do further now we've got James Cleverley as chairman in making young people more a vital part of the party? Um, so, as a young Conservative, I do think that a lot of people are shocked that I'm interested in politics full stop, to be honest, because they kind of look at my image and they think, oh, she must just like partying, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I do love partying, but I also love politics. And I think that's an important message to send that you can, you know, you can do both. I think um, as a young Conservative, we are a minority for sure. And we do get a lot of stick on Twitter 
Um, you know, we are up against a lot of people who think that we hate the poor, hate the disabled and all those uh, kind of unrealistic uh, claims. I think in terms of how the party can do more, well, uh, firstly, I think it's great that James Cleverley's uh, been elected as party chair. I think that was a great choice. He's really engaging um, and he's very relatable to a young person. So I think that was a good appointment to start with. But in future, I would like to see an elected chair in terms of elected by the party membership. Um, I think that's a really good idea. And it was one that my candidate, Dominic Raab, had, just saying. (laughs) Uh, I think that is a really good idea in engaging grassroots full stop because, you know, it feels like they actually have a say in CCHQ because CCHQ, uh, to me, seems like a very kind of uh, clicky establishment that kind of, you know, is in charge of a lot of the party and we don't really have a lot of influence over. And I think that's, you know, definitely something that can be changed. I think... The Conservative Party have started, because obviously there was a whole controversy, controversy with the young Tory wing um, a few years ago. And as a result, a lot of the branches got kind of shut down. And now we're starting to see a resurgence of some of, some of them, which is a really good idea. And I think every association does need a young Conservative specific branch, because a lot of people are too scared to go to events that are just for the association as a whole, because obviously being with loads of adults, you don't want to be the only young person. It's a bit of an intimidating situation. So I think there does need to be a lot more young conservative specific events um, so you can meet other people that are kind of your age. And I think one thing that all young conservative branches need to do is create a Facebook page and advertise different events and do stuff that young people actually like doing, like have like cocktail evenings or, you know, or like dances, things like that, that young people will actually enjoy because if you throw them straight in the deep end and be like right we're having a young conservative canvas session that's quite intimidating and you want to kind of get to know other young conservatives first so then you can feel more comfortable and then in turn that will lead to like canvassing sessions and then you go into more events uh with the whole membership and you know you get more confident in that way and i think it's important to build young people's confidence so they feel you know that they can branch out to the wider party as well yeah, no, I totally agree. I think this, I the elected party chairman thing was something that I, I, was, I was a little disappointed that Boris didn't have as well. Um, yeah. But I think, I mean, Cleverly, I think, would be the kind of person I'd have wanted anyway. So yeah, no, exactly. It's convenient. But I do think that in the future, maybe it should be an elected position. And I agree about having more sort of young people focused events. I think that'd be great. Yeah. Um, so coming up to the end of the podcast now, it's been a great pleasure to talk to you. Um, just one last question. You've obviously said you like partying as well as politics and you like to combine the two. So if you were going to go on a night out with Boris Johnson, what would you do? What would you show him? Great question. Well, I'd start off with some cocktails, you know, two for one cocktails, always a winner, you know, down a couple of those. And then, and then you know, what, why not have a drunk debate? Why not? Maybe, maybe you can get the, the true ideas through throwing out i think that'd be so fun imagine a, a drunk debate where everyone's drunk and we're all just throwing out ideas we can let the conversation flow no awkwardness in fact that might be a great way to get young conservatives on board let's have a drunk debate with boris johnson well, that will, well the, the day that happens is going to be a great day um <laughs> one day yeah, one day yeah one day so and thank you very much for joining us emily it's, it's been great um so thank you everyone for listening as well. If you want to get in contact, you can email us, thedebatedpodcast at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter or Facebook, and and keep keep an eye out. Future episodes will be coming out soon.